Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is our season finale episode for season 11, which is the wrongful conviction of Pablo Velez. As you all know, this case is unique compared to most of our cases, and the reason being that there isn't much mystery to this case. It seems very obvious through the case file who actually committed the murder. So a lot of you have been asking why we covered this case when the answer seems so obvious. And the reason for that is that Pablo's attorneys asked us to cover this case. And joining me today are two of those attorneys, Mr. Herman Yu and Alexandra Van Dyne. These are two of Pablo's attorneys, and they're here to share with us the current state of Pablo's case and why they wanted the story shared on Truth and Justice. And also they'll leave us with what we as the Truth and Justice audience can do to help right after the break. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that you did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so I'm joined today via phone by Herman Yu and Alexandra Van Dyne. Uh, you guys are two of Pablo's attorneys. I know, uh, Herman, you are are pretty much taking the lead here, and Alexandra, you're here for um, any bit of technical information that we need from you. But if I can real quick have you both kind of introduce yourselves and let me know, you know how long you've been working on the case and how you ended up working on Pablo's case. Sure. Uh, thanks, Bob. Um, great to be on uh, on your podcast. A big fan. So I started working on Pablo's case in early 2017. At the time, um, uh, there was a team of Latham attorneys who had already been working up this case. And as one of the attorneys who was located in Houston, Texas, I joined the team shortly before we actually filed Pablo's habeas petition and before his evidentiary hearing for his habeas petition. So uh, it's been... Uh, probably four years now that uh, I've been working on the case. I've got to know Pablo really well, and um, I'm glad to have had the opportunity to try to vindicate Pablo's innocence and, uh, and, and do something for his situation. Great. And Alexander, how long have you been on the case? 
Hi. Um, yes, yeah, so I have been on the case since I joined the firm last October. I came in, you know, with an interest in wrongful conviction, and I heard about this case and, you know, immediately wanted to get involved and help in any way I could. Great. So now, how did how did Pablo's case end up coming across my desk? I know that, you know, through our research team, the case was submitted by the law firm. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, how that happened, how you guys pitched the case, and the the reasons behind why you wanted Pablo's story told on Truth and Justice, as I, I mentioned in the intro, this case is unique to us. Normally, we're doing a deep dive investigative uh, series for every case, and we're trying to figure out what happened. In this case, it seems like we we kind of know what happened. So so how did we end up getting the case pitched to us, and and what were you hoping to accomplish by having the case on Truth and Justice? Sure. So so Bob, you know. Uh, Pablo had actually learned about uh, your podcast about truth and justice, and he was interested, uh, frankly, in having his case reviewed by by your podcast. Uh, you know, as you know, um, and as I think your listeners know, I think the evidence is pretty clear cut that Pablo was not the shooter. He's innocent of this crime. But despite the overwhelming evidence um, of his innocence, Pablo still has remained in jail. Uh, his a uh, state habeas petition was denied, and uh, the Houston uh, Police Department and the Harris County DA's office uh, continues to stand by their view that uh, Pablo is guilty. And we were hoping that with the additional media coverage of Pablo's case, that uh, in part the listeners of Truth and Justice can help um, write in, help gain, uh, give Pablo's case some publicity, and maybe put a little bit of pressure on the DA's office to, to do the right thing here by Pablo and to support his release. Okay, great. So now, can we talk about where Pablo's case is at? So you said his state habeas was denied. Uh, what elements were brought forward in that? So that's after his direct appeals. You're bringing new evidence in. Uh, th- those hearings were, were, what, 2017, the state habeas? That's right. The state habeas petition itself was filed uh, in early 2017. And then there was a uh, evidentiary hearing um, before uh, the Harris County District Court, uh, where Pablo uh, was able to, uh, or uh, we as Pablo's attorneys, were able to present uh, witnesses that um, that explained um, to the court that in fact Pablo was not there. Uh, Claudia Beltran had an opportunity to explain uh, what had happened. Um, Adrian Payan also was able to testify, and we had an opportunity, of course, to develop. Uh, information about Officer King's suppression of his notebooks and his notes, uh, as well as Officer Swainson's, frankly, perjury uh, on the stand uh, when he described Claudia's identification or, or or Claudia's review of the photo array, I should say. So that state uh, habeas hearing occurred in, in, in late 2017. The uh, entire package went up to the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals, and uh, and they denied the relief that we sought uh, through the state habeas petition. And that state habeas petition not only sought to demonstrate that Pablo was in fact innocent, but also that there were constitutional violations uh, of Pablo's rights, both his Fourteenth and Sixth Amendment rights. So obviously, we were really disappointed that the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals didn't see things our way, but we've now filed uh, recently a new habeas petition, this time in federal court, 
um, highlighting again the constitutional violations and uh, and seeking basically another opportunity, uh, hopefully for the federal courts to do the right thing and to uh, to overturn the Texas uh, Court of Criminal Appeals denial of public habeas petition. What was the the reasoning they used? Because I I read a lot of those habeas briefs and uh, or the, all the documents with the habe- the habeas case, and it just seems you know for me as a as a layman and non attorney, it seems very clear when you have you know a, a, an officer testifying, an officer King, essentially he's basically admitting that not only did he lie, but so did so did Swainson. There was clearly false testimony that led to. Pablo's convictions. How did the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals justify denying the the habeas? Well, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals, their decision was actually basically a one paragraph decision. They didn't really provide um, any sort of written explanation for their rationale. But I, I should note that um, after the evidentiary hearing before the Harris County District Court, the district court issued an extensive opinion, uh, basically weighing in on. The, the court's view of the credibility of Pablo's case and of his habeas petition. And unfortunately, the uh, state court's decision essentially copied and pasted the state court's or, or, or the state's proposed findings of facts and conclusions of law. They basically just recited verbatim exactly what the state of Texas wanted the, the court to say. And so what went up to the Texas um, court of Criminal Appeals from the district court who heard Pablo's case was uh, was basically a submission from the state of Texas itself, and that was just really unfortunate. But again, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals never really provided an explanation for their reasoning. They just simply uh, denied his habeas petition. And and that's standard practice in Texas, correct? That when a habeas goes before the district court, that whatever that decision is, that it automatically then gets sent to the, the CCA for a final decision? Is that accurate? The, the process that I was describing there uh, of an initial state court finding or district court finding that gets forwarded to the Court of Criminal Appeals, yeah, that's the standard uh, process. Right, but then the, you know, the, the, the idea is that the CCA would actually take a look at the findings and, and view them on their merits and not just copy and paste them. That that's right. I mean, the the CCA receives not just the the lower court's finding, but also you know the party's submission as well. But obviously, the lower court's determinations with respect to the credibility of witnesses uh, and similar factual findings does carry a lot of weight. Right, and, and you know, I want to focus in for a minute on Harris County. Oh, that's what drew me to this case was, as as you're both aware. You know, I've uh, th- this is my third case, fourth really, if you t- talk about the the kind of one off episode we did on Charles Raby's case, where we've dealt with corruption within the Harris County, not only District Attorney's Office but the Houston Police Department. So if we, if we can t- take kind of focus in on on Harris County. What were there? Did they stipulate to any of the findings or the or what you guys proposed as far as the constitutional violations with? Swainson lying on the stand and King suppressing evidence. Did they stipulate to any of that and and still think he should be convicted, or did they did they argue against that even in court, even when the evidence was right in front of them? The I think that the the, the state took a very a, a very hard line uh, against Pablo's habeas petition. 
you know, obviously they did provide some documents as uh, they were uh, required to, um, including Officer King's notebook. Uh, of course, they provide that now rather than uh, at the time of Pablo's original trial. But with respect to agreeing with us on on any uh, substantial points or substantive points, um, they, they really didn't. They fought us tooth and nail on this. And that's part of what's so disappointing, given what we think are, it's very clear evidence of um, impropriety. But the, the DA's office even today, uh, or at least in 2017, even today, uh, continues uh, to resist acknowledging uh, the mistakes that were made. Yeah, and that that seems to be kind of par for the course for them, at least in the in the cases that we've worked on. Raby, Charles Raby's case was one. I, I, are you familiar with with the Raby case at all? Um, only a little bit. Um, I've heard um, a few uh, episodes from your podcast, but probably I'm sure Bob not as as deeply familiar as you are. Well, and I'm not I'm not super deeply familiar with the case, but it's just another one where there was obvious evidence in this case, very similar to Pablo's, where there was suppression of evidence. There was there was false testimony by law enforcement and lab technicians that was that later proven, and you know that's a death penalty case, and it just it blows me away that they are they are continuing to fight against it. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Kim Ogg wasn't in office at the time when these cases were originally tried. That Why she would still protect these old convictions when the, when the evidence seems so obvious that they're false. Yeah, it, it's, um, you know, obviously, um, I... I our, our focus is on Pablo's innocence, and, and, and we don't want to, you know, it's outside sort of our, the scope of our representation to make, um, you know, broad statements about, you know, the Harris County DA's office. But, um, you know, the, the fact is, is that it, it's really unfortunate when you have these kinds of uh, convictions that were developed or were established by perjury, that were established by um, misconduct by the prosecutors, uh, because once, you know... Uh, you know, as your as your uh, listeners know, conviction the first time is by um, the absence of any reasonable doubt. But the standard when you're in a habeas situation is is much harder. Um, it's much harder to demonstrate um, actual innocence. And so, once there's been a conviction on the record, it's much more difficult uh, for these individuals who have been wrongly convicted uh, to actually attain their innocence. Right. Yeah. Especially when you have a DA's office that, that's still fighting, 
you know, fighting tooth and nail to keep it in place. You know, we, I, I've seen it outside of Harris County. Yeah, I did several cases from Smith County, Texas, and it was the same thing. You know that, you know, uh, Kerry Max Cook's case is still he's still uh, convicted. Is is uh, well, he he took his um, the the case was vacated vacated, but he wasn't exonerated because there was a there was a sheriff that testified that in the original trial that uh, Kerry Max Cook had confessed to him in an elevator on the way down. All the other evidence was was disproven in his habeas, but that particular sheriff uh, had passed away and was unable to testify again, and so that evidence stood, and and they refused to grant his actual innocence. It's it's it's, it's a the they they say it's what a Herculean burden to overturn to overturn a wrongful conviction on actual innocence grounds, and it seems like that's definitely the case. Yeah, that, that, that's right, and and I think that's definitely the case here with Pablo. Um, and that's why, you know, we as his attorneys approach the district, the Harris County District Attorney's Office, in hopes that they would join our habeas petition and that they would, again, do the right thing here. You know, the conviction was under a different district attorney. And, you know, we hope that Kim Og would, would sort of be the hero and, 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 and right a wrong that had occurred here. And given how difficult it is to attain actual uh, or, or prevail on an actual innocence claim uh, in the habeas petition. We really hope that that Kim Og and her office would have helped out and, and would have uh, seen their way to doing the right thing here. That's unfortunate that they haven't. And now, in the state the case is in now, where now you're appealing to the federal courts, could the Harris County DA's office still have an impact on the case if they were to so to speak, join forces with you as the defense in the in the federal habeas, or is it is it past that? No, it's not, and and that's that's a great point, Bob. It's absolutely not too late, and it would absolutely be helpful if uh, Kim Ogg's office and the Harris County DA's office decided, you know, we're not going to uh, oppose this habeas petition. We're we're going to support it, and we're going to support you know Pablo's uh, Pablo's innocence. Um, you know, there's some procedural, you know, hurdles that we'll have to jump through, but it's it's absolutely not too late uh, for Kim Og and our office to do the right thing. And that's part of why we wanted and Pablo wanted uh, your listeners to learn about his case is uh, in hopes that they can write in uh, to Kim Og and make their voices heard and bring this case to our attention and really make it clear to her that um, there's a, a groundswell of support for Pablo and the fact that uh, he's been wrongly convicted. Well, we'll definitely, before we wrap things up today, we'll get all that information out as far as what our listeners can do to, to help Pablo's case along. I wanted to, if we can kind of roll all the way back, there was one thing, a question that I was unclear of. Some listeners had asked me, and I really don't quite understand, uh, that you might be able to clear up. the All the way back in the original trial, there's all this evidence now that we see against specifically Ron Strandberg in the case. And the the court the the defense it seems at the time of trial was not allowed to present him as an alternate suspect. Can you can you speak to why that was? Was that a, was that a pretrial ruling that that just he or no one could be raised as alternate suspects? How did that come up? So that's a great question, Bob. And it's definitely something that we noticed uh, and were disappointed by when we were reviewing the initial trial transcript. You know, to be clear, we weren't involved in Pablo's original trial. And 
so all we have are uh, basically the trial transcripts, um, you know, the same as you. From our review of the transcript, it looks like that was a ruling that the judge made, uh, the judge in Pablo's original trial, about how he wanted to run the trial and, and what kind of defenses uh, Pablo's defense attorney was was able to present. Um, you know, beyond that, we unfortunately don't have a lot of insights. Um, that's just, you know, what the record is. It's it's so unfortunate because it seemed like it handcuffed Pablo's defense in such a huge way, especially because Pablo obviously had sold the car to Ron Strandberg. There was all the other evidence against him. Uh, and then it, it's just sickening to me when I read the transcripts and I see Officer King uh, testifying that no one has ever mentioned Ron Strandberg's name in the course of the investigation when we know from his, his own notes that that's clearly not true. Yeah, it is. It is really unfortunate, Bob, and it just sort of exacerbates the testimony of Officer King, right? That that uh, but nobody mentioned Ron Strandberg, uh, and it just sort of builds on uh, the suppression of all of that evidence that there were other shooters that witnesses repeatedly identified, and 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 Pablo was completely unable to uh, to talk about that and and, and present. All of that evidence that demonstrates that, no, in fact, it was somebody else very clearly, and it had nothing to do with Pablo. Right. Now, uh, I want to touch on, too, so you have listened to the podcast. I know I've gotten feedback from the, from the team throughout the process. Is there anything that you think needs to be brought to light about Pablo's case that maybe I haven't covered yet on the podcast? Uh, I, I don't think so. I think, Bob, you've done a great job of highlighting, I think, the key elements of the case, um, highlighting the improprieties that were committed, uh, the suppression of evidence, the perjury, uh, the prosecu- prosecutorial misconduct. You know, and, and obviously, Pablo, um, you know, his, his defense counsel has since passed away, uh, and so we don't have access to his notes and um, his work product. But I think it's pretty clear from the record, and as you've noted to your listeners, that Pablo didn't get a robust defense. And if any of those things had been different, then I don't think you would have this podcast uh, today. And so um, I think you've done a great job of highlighting for your listeners all of the problems with Pablo's case and, uh, and all the, the problems that continue to this day. So how do you feel about his case moving forward. I, I know. So we're moving into the federal court system. There's been um, just recently you guys filed a brief. So what, what are the, what are the elements of the federal habeas? What kind of, what are we maybe looking at for timeline and, and where are you at kind of confidence level? I know it's in, in post-conviction work, it's a crap shoot. So obviously I'm not holding you to anything, but you know, how do you feel about it? Well, um, you know, I, I think, uh, so, so uh, our, our federal habeas petition, um, as I, I may have mentioned briefly earlier, is, is based on violations of Pablo's uh, constitutional rights, specifically his 14th Amendment rights to due process and Sixth Amendment rights to effective assistance of counsel. And I think you described it uh, pretty accurately in the sense that it is kind of a crapshoot. The state um, has until January 31st uh, to respond. Uh, we've been assigned uh, to Judge Hitner in the Southern District of Texas, uh, who sits in Houston. And look, we 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 are, are realists. 
uh, it's a high burden to prevail on a habeas petition, on any habeas petition. Um, but we continue to remain, you know, cautiously optimistic. Uh, we think that the facts here are very strong as to why Pablo uh, is, uh, is his constitutional rights were violated, um, why he was was the victim of, of prosecutorial misconduct uh, and, and uh, improper state action, why he didn't have good uh, representation of counsel during his trial. Uh, and so we remain hopeful. And, you know, our goal is to keep fighting for Pablo and, uh, and keep doing what we can to help overturn this conviction. And do I understand it correctly that at, at this point with what you're filing with being just constitutional issues that you're bringing before the federal court, at this point, the, the result wouldn't be, a positive result wouldn't be an actual innocence exoneration, but rather that the conviction would be vacated and a new trial ordered? That's right. Uh, that's exactly right, Bob. Okay. So real quickly, can you break down the, I know what the, the ineffective assistance to counsel elements of that are, but the, the constitutional violations, what, what, it, what are the elements that you're trying to prove there specifically? where his, his constitutional rights to due process were violated. Um, are you talking about sort of what the, the general basis for those uh, constitutional violations are? Yeah, what elements of the case? Yep. Yeah, so um, this obviously um, Officer King's suppression of his notes and failure to turn over uh, those notes, which were clearly exculpatory, uh, and those are the notes relating to uh, Claudia's quote-unquote identification of Pablo uh, in the photographic lineup. Suppressing evidence of um, an undisclosed photo array, which um, uh, was tied to uh, Superman, um, as well as um, uh, Ms. Martinez's notes uh, that were taken, um, this, that described, um, in King's own words, uh, the, tentative, uh, the, the identification by Claudia being uh, tentative. There was the false testimony uh, from King, uh, regarding um, Ron Strandberg's involvement in the shooting uh, and the state's failure to correct Officer King's false testimony. There was also the prosecution's failure to correct Adrian Payan's false testimony that they knew was false, that uh, Adrian Payan saw Pablo at the perfect rack that night. Um, and then, of course, there was the prosecution's suppression of Claudia Beltran's uh, explanation uh, before trial that uh, the person that she saw uh, at the defense table, Pablo wasn't the shooter. And I think those are the the, the due process violation bases uh, for our federal habeas petition. And so it sounds like a lot of that is is Brady material. Is that right? That's correct, Bob. And, and so it, it, in order to have the judge, the, the panel of judges, overturn the conviction, they would have to determine what, that they are, that they were material and exculpatory? Uh, is that enough, or do they have to? Do they also have to determine that that evidence, had the jury heard it, would have changed the outcome of the trial? It'll be one judge in this case, uh, Judge Hitner, who will uh, make that decision. So let me, because um, Alexandra uh, drafted the brief, so she knows. I'm going to let her uh, chime in for one second. Okay. Sure, sure. So, so Bob, you you have that right, absolutely. The other tricky thing about being in federal court is our petition is subject to a law called the Anti-Terrorism and Effective Death Penalty Act, where Congress basically says, hey, um, we trust state judges to make these determinations. So if a federal court's going to look at it, we're going to raise the petitioner's burden even higher. 
than it already is in state court. So in addition to what you just said, we do have to show that, you know, had the jury seen this evidence, they would have, there's a likelihood of a different result that is great enough to undermine our confidence in the verdict, basically. Um, and then in addition to that, the federal court has to conclude that the state court was so wrong to not find that, that no reasonable judge would agree with them. And so that's obviously an incredibly high burden. Hence, you know, we're aware that it's a it's a tough burden, but, but we think what happened to Pablo, these are clear constitutional violations. And so, um, so we remain optimistic that, that someone will see it that way, taking a fair look at it. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. It seems almost unfathomable that they wouldn't determine that they this was, in fact, exculpatory evidence that was withheld violating his uh, constitutional rights. So it seems like from my perspective, the big question is whether they can determine or whether they would determine that it would have changed the outcome of trial. And, and I, I wasn't aware of that. So that, but they really have to determine that no reasonable judge would have seen it that way. Is it, I understand that right? That, that basically no reasonable judge would have looked at what we presented at the state habeas hearing and in all of our briefing for that. No reasonable judge would look at that and say, this isn't a Brady violation, right? Like, a reasonable judge would look at what we argued and say, of course this is a Brady violation. So they have to they have to find that the state court was basically acting unreasonably in, find, in failing to find that it's a, it's a Brady violation. It's, it's meant to be confusing. <laughs> right. And it is confusing. But, you know, I... When I looked at this the first time, I said, that's a Brady violation. Um, you know, I've listened to Undisclosed. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but um, obviously the state court didn't see it that way for whatever reason. But, um, you know, on the law, it's a Brady violation. So hopefully the, the federal court will agree with us. Yeah, I hope so, because I'm in the same boat. You know, I think in the, the entire true crime audience now knows exactly what a Brady violation is, uh, the weird element of the law for right. uh, for us all to know from listening to Undisclosed right. and other podcasts like that. Because, yeah, it just, it, it seems obvious, you know, that's the first thing everybody starts screaming, and it seems so obvious in this case. And it, and it, and it does make sense, the burden. I just hope that, you know, I won't ask either of you to comment because you work in, the, work in the space, but I'll just say that I've spent the last six years working in Texas, and I'm not 
particularly thrilled with the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals and the way they've ruled on a, a lot of the cases that I've seen come before them. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the federal judge will will look objectively at this because it, God, it's so hard to it's so hard to imagine them looking at. It, it, the the lead detectives lying on the stand and the prosecutor having the star witness tell her before the trial that they were that they're 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 trying the wrong man uh which you know as i pointed out in the podcast to me like that's that's one of the e- things that's easiest to prove because you can see it right in her opening argument that she already knew that claudia beltrain wasn't going to gonna uh identify pablo at that trial and and she went ahead anyway so hopefully that works out and that that leads us to before we close things out you mentioned it already but the truth and justice audience you know we're you know we're all about crowdsourcing and getting involved and helping this case has been a little difficult for that i know for my audience because they're always chomping at the bit to engage and i haven't even published any case documents because there's just so much there's so much meta there and so many people that are afraid of retaliation. There's so much redaction to do that I've opted to to tell the story and leave those documents out just for people's safety. But so but they've been wanting to know what they can do to help and and this is their opportunity. So what can the audience, all the the tens of thousands of people listening to this right now, what can they do to help justice be served in this case and and specifically to help Pablo? Well, I think uh, Bob, you know, as I've mentioned, um, the the first thing they can do is to engage with Kim Og's office. You know, to, to do so respectfully, you know, by phone, by letter, by social media. You know, Kim Og's office has exonerated people before, and it's absolutely within their power to help Pablo out now. And so writing into them, calling them, you know, asking Kim Og, uh, to, to do the right thing, to be the hero here in this situation and help us out and help Pablo get his, his conviction vacated. Along those same lines, you know, writing to your elected officials, to council members, the mayor, even Governor Abbott and Attorney General Paxton, you know, they've shown a willingness to, uh, to get involved um, if the situation is right. Uh, let them know about what's going on. Bring this to their attention. You know, along the same lines, along the lines of sort of publicizing Pablo's case, um, you know, if you have contacts at the Chronicle, at, at the, you know, at KHOU, at the other media outlets, uh, let them know about this case. Draw their attention to it. Maybe they'll do a story about it. Um, and again, that just brings a spotlight on uh, the injustice that was repre- that's represented by Pablo's conviction. And, you know, if people are so inclined, you know, writing to Pablo and just letting him know that he has the support of your listeners is huge. Um, you know, it's Pablo's been in jail for, for 13 years. You know, he is just dying to get out to, you know, get back to his life that was taken away from him to return to his family. And it's tough. I mean, he's a really good guy. You know, he's a hardworking uh, family man before this whole perfect rack situation happened. And it's been really tough for him. Um, being incarcerated all these years, knowing full well that the real killers are out there. So, you know, if your listeners are so inclined, writing into Pablo won't have the same effect legally, potentially, but would certainly, I think, buoy his spirits. And for you listeners, Pablo's address to write him is on our website. If you go to the cases and go to the Velez case, all that information is up there. 
I'll be putting out through all of our social media a document that'll have where to write in and the social media handles for all the people uh, that Herman just mentioned here. Uh, I think we need to put the pressure on, and I and I think Herman, you put it best when you said make sure you're being respectful. It's it's very easy because uh, I know you're pissed. I'm pissed, but it's very easy for for Kim Ogg's office or Ken Paxton's office or Governor Abbott's to disregard a letter that's basically telling them to to f off. If you can be respectful, that they you know mention that you you know you've you've studied the case. This is an obvious case of innocence. Please do the right thing. I think let the language uh, uh, that you mentioned, which you know, this is your opportunity. You, you know, please take this opportunity to be the hero here. This was a terrible injustice. Be respectful, and let's really put the pressure on them. Is is there is there any kind of does Pablo have any kind of crowdfunding site set up for legal fees or anything like that? Uh, you know, Bob, I'm not sure that. Um, that he he does. Um, obviously, we're taking his case pro bono, but um, you know he's applied for parole, and parole attorneys, you know, uh, do cost money. Uh, but we can certainly follow up. Uh, we can double check with his family and and follow up with you on that. Okay, great. Well, and with that, I want to thank you both for your time, and 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 I appreciate you you trusting us with the responsibility of telling the story. It's a tragic one, and it's one that I definitely think warrants being told. And I know that my audience is going to be engaged and, and is going to do what they can to help with this case. And, and you know, we have we have a ton of amazing people here, and and a lot of them. One thing they've done season after season is to write the people that are wrongfully convicted in prison. So I'm sure that'll happen as well. I remember all the way back from Ed Eight's case, he used to always say that one of the biggest things that really changed his perspective and gave him some hope was when he started having letters on mail call day and he had, you know, people to people to talk to and that helps more than you think. So make sure you're engaged, check all of my social media uh, for the show and my personal social media for links and contact information for all these people. And let's try to do our part to help undo this terrible injustice. Uh, and, and for you listeners this week, I'll let you know, I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to be out in the desert starting to work on our next case next week. So next week's follow-up is actually going to be an interview with Pablo himself where he's going to talk about where he, how he feels about his case and what he wants to do when, when he's finally released. So that'll be next week. Uh, Herman and Alexandra, thank you both so much for taking the time to join me. And, and also, again, thank you for, for trusting me to tell Pablo's story. Thank you, Bob. And thanks very much to your listeners uh, for their active listening and for their engagement. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing and sound engineered by Shane Yoder. All music for the show is created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com, who also mixed and mastered this episode. All of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Charlena White, Kaywood Yamnick, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, Lindsay Pease, Erica Cantor, and Jen Reese Incandela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. 
you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we also have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes videos of the creation of our Friday follow-up episodes that always include 10 to 30 minutes of pre-show bonus chat. Other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. To become a patron, just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. And I personally can be found on social media at Bob Ruff Truth, and Mike can be found at Merb Gaming. M-U-R-R-B-G-A-M-I-N-G. Don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.